Hi everyone and welcome to Uncomplicated, a podcast for education professionals, MAT leaders, school staff, teachers and anyone interested in what's going on in the world of education technology. I'm Tom Kershaw, Education Market Specialist at IRIS and I'm really excited about today. Um, I was a teacher for 11 years myself, led a very large sixth form and and love talking about um, areas of education. And another person who loves talking about education is Nick Clark, our Senior Product Manager at IRIS and he joins us today. Uh, Hey everyone. Uh, as Tom said, I'm Nick Clark, and I'm a Senior Product Manager for Education here at Iris. I look after our MIS portfolio, uh, and uh, I definitely do love talking about education. I was a teacher for 12 years, a deputy head for six of those uh, in primary schools uh, in the southeast of the UK. Thanks, Nick. So today we're going to be discussing how to build a strong trust and the role data plays in that. Um, We know that by 2030, the UK government wants every school to uh, be part of a multi-academy trust. Um, And usefully, in the white paper, the March white paper, there was a tentative definition of what a strong trust is. And it covered areas such as high quality and inclusive education, school improvement, strategic governance, financial management, and the workforce. Now, Nick and I um, see, see data at the heart of performing well in all of these areas. And obviously, as trusts become larger, these statements become harder to achieve without robust IT systems underpinning them and the real-time powerful data and analytics they provide. So, for instance, you know, in order to deliver the highest quality education, you need a powerful HR system that will support professional development of your workforce and allow you to spot strengths and weaknesses in performance across the trust so you can deploy teachers effectively and, and share best practice. You know, and naturally you can't prioritise the effective use of financial resources without quantifying prior impacts of spending and having effective forecasts and budgets and things like that. So I think we just talk about the current situation. Nick and I speak to a lot of trusts and we, we, we hear a lot about their difficulties with data. So I don't know, Nick, if you want to kick us off with that. Uh, I certainly can. Uh, I'm really privileged to speak to lots of schools and trusts every day uh, in, in my job. And having been a teacher for 12 years, I, I understand most of where they're coming from, but the academization agenda is, is really interesting. I think it's a really positive move for most. Um, but there are challenges, especially when consolidating things like systems and ways of working and process. Um, and data is one of those. So bringing data into the, into the right place for the right time to analyze it is something that trusts that I work with tell me can be quite hard. But of course, data is incredibly important in terms of getting that into the right place at the right time to do something with. Um, And I I use this statistic in in a couple of these um, that one of the trust leaders that I speak to has said, well, actually, I spend 95% or my team spends 95% of their time searching for, digging out, collating, dumping spreadsheets of data into different places, building little graphs and things like that. But only 5% spent doing something meaningful with it. Another trust that I spoke to a few days ago, I was talking about how do, you, how do you get data into one place from across your school? Because if you've just got one school, it's relatively easy. We can grab that as a report, we can do things with it. It's only one school's worth of data. But if you've got even six schools or 10 schools, getting that into one place in the same shape, especially for assessment, is really, really difficult. So how do we do that is certainly a huge challenge facing the industry at the moment. Uh, Welcome to my world was the comment of one of the data managers I spoke to a few days ago. Another one who works at a very large trust said, essentially, I spend a a huge amount of my time logging into separate systems, grabbing data out as CSV or a spreadsheet or some other way, and then copying and pasting that together. And that effectively forms a huge part of my life. So just 
verifying that 95-5% rule, certainly something that I would really like to see is that flipped around the other way. How do you spend 95% of your time doing something with that data that benefits your people and therefore benefits your students or benefits directly your students rather than spending all that time digging it out? I think you're right, Nick. Um, you know, as well as the collection, it's the manipulation as well, isn't it? So, you know, within a trust, there might be so many different systems of behaviour, conduct and rewards, safeguarding. Data's not necessarily in the same format. It's not necessarily um, standardised in, in a particular way. So putting that together and making mean, taking meaningful insights from it is really quite tricky. And I know when we've spoken to to trust who as uh, right to schools who are going to join trust they express concerns as well about having to provide all of this data because the burden on them you know it, it can be quite you know quite significant and getting it in at the right time in a timely fashion where it's not going to go out of date because often by the time you've collected it all it's out of date and then you start again and therefore you've got a very small window to do something with it but also those opportunities of bringing different data together and performing comparisons on stuff that you may not have done before. You know, at the moment, a lot of trusts are focused on just getting the stuff for Ofsted right. Uh, and a lot of, that's where a lot of trusts are at the moment. We, we want the data for Ofsted in, a, in, the, in the right format at the right time so that when they come, uh, when they come through the door, um, we all know that feeling, we have that data in the right place. And they're willing to put in huge amounts of hours to, to get that data into the right place. But beyond that, uh, and I suppose the utopia that we're going to try and talk about a little bit, um, beyond that, what if we just had that data and it was really easy? But what if we could also then, beyond that, compare that data with other stuff that we have? Yeah, so I think if we take a step back from that to start off with, Nick, because I know that there's a particular thought of yours um, that we've discussed in the past. As well as the consolidation of data, I know we, we've discussed having separate systems that obviously integrate, but separate systems that are powerful enough and robust enough to do the job that they're designed to do. So the example that we've talked about in the past at conferences is um, HR data, and quite often having that bolted on to your student MIS, which is not ideal. Um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit, Nick, about you know when you start scaling up, when with multi-academy trust growing in size you know, over the next few years, how it becomes a problem if you've you know you you've got data and systems that aren't necessarily built for them? Yeah, I, I think I think it can become it can become an annoyance or or a limiting factor. When I was first a teacher, I worked in a very very small uh, primary school in the southeast of England. It was a village school. We had 120 pupils and around 20 staff at our peak. Maybe a few more and a few less at different times. We kept those those staff data in our MIS system, and it was really easy to do that. But as you grow and as you become part of trusts, if you grew to a, to a 10 school trust, which, which is a reasonably large trust at the moment, I think the average at the moment is about two or three, depending on which data you look at, um, what do you do with that? There are more requirements for that, bringing that data into something that's not your MIS. In my view, my, my, you, you can disagree, certainly, but in my view, the MIS is for pupil data. It's effectively a HR system for pupil data, and we track lots of aspects of what happens with our students in there. But as you grow and as you get more people, some of those may be on non-turn time contracts. If they're central trust staff, how do we account for them? Do we let them book their own holiday? All those relatively low level things that you might then have to have somebody or a process for doing manually or yet another spreadsheet or a Google form or a Microsoft form 
bolted onto your system in order to do that, uh, in my view, in an imperfect way. So I think then you have those systems, they talk to one another, and then I think what's come out in the conversation so far is that we're talking about overlaying data, aren't we? We're talking about the advantages of the data that comes from those systems coming together and being able to answer questions that you previously wouldn't have been able to. So for instance, I'm thinking things like taking data from your finance system, from your HR system, and from your MIS, and maybe then asking, well, how did my spend in a particular subject area on a couple of teachers, one who was uh, maybe an early career teacher, one who was maybe more experienced, how has that impacted results in the geography department of this particular school? You are not going to be able to do that on spreadsheets. Well, you can do it on spreadsheets. You don't have time to do that on spreadsheets. (laughs) I think it will be very hard, and it will be a very big spreadsheet with lots of letters and numbers in the columns and uh, rows. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Um, Bringing that data together to compare it is certainly something that I am really interested in. Um, Bringing that into one place and saying, okay, well, how does my spend on this affect what happens with my students and being able to do that without spending hours, weeks, months dragging that data or just not being able to get that data in a format, I think will give us interesting insights that we've perhaps never seen before. I think with that comes great responsibility because there is a responsibility to compare things that are worth comparing and not draw the wrong conclusions. I think that's an interesting ethical point, but certainly I think there's a lot of analytical aspects that we could smash together to find interesting answers. And there's a danger, isn't there, sometimes from having too much data and spending too much time just looking looking at it all uh, and not necessarily getting any insights from it. So I suppose it's about defining your questions first. So defining your questions so that you know what data you're looking for and then you're finding something that can bring that all together. So this is where I suppose, you know, <laughs> We're being slightly open and upfront about you know us being software providers and, and having solutions for these sorts of things. Um, we we go to conferences. We we, we speak to multi academy trusts, some of our customers, um, and they're working with lots of spreadsheets. They're working with Power BI dashboards. They're trying to bring data in from from various different places. They have data teams, which are now you know numbering several people that are crunching away at the numbers, spending hours and hours on this doing as best as they can, but ultimately not having the time to get the data out quickly enough to do something about it. I don't know, Nick, if you want to talk a little bit about solutions to that and, and where, where you think the direction of travel is for multi-academy trusts in terms of how they might physically be able to bring that data together. I think it's, uh, I think it's tricky. And cards on the table we're a software company, we make education software, we've got some products that we're really proud of and some of those my teams build. And we build a solution for bringing uh, data from trusts together. But I think if, if we look at that in, in general, and I've worked with trusts over, over the last seven years since I've been out of teaching, a lot of them are building data warehouses, a lot of them are, are getting other products and there's a few in the market now that bring data together into one place to save that I'm spending my life bringing data in spreadsheets and copying and pasting, making a few pretty graphs before I move on and realise that I've got to start it all again for next week and don't have any time to analyse it, which is really where the value is. So whichever one you do, I think there's a few things that perhaps they should do. Um, Are they going to bring all the data that you need? Are they going to bring HR, MIS data? Lots of them start with MIS data uh, and it's a good place to start because it has your pupil data and obviously. Um, But will it pull other stuff? 
What other data do you need? And I suppose, as Tom said a minute ago, start with the questions. What questions do we want our data to answer for us? And depending on your trust size, depending on your demographic, depending on where you are in the country, you might have different questions that you want to answer. Will that data be live? Do you need it to be live? I would contend that probably attendance data should be more live than other data. Maybe you need that refreshed, if you're a secondary school, every period, every half an hour. If you're a primary school, maybe twice a day. But is there an option to do that? Do you need different data live at different times? Is it flexible? Can you bring in a pipeline or a stream or whatever you want to call it of data in an easy way? Is there a way to bring in data that you've got on spreadsheets? So structured data that lives elsewhere, your musings on your class around whether they did well in that maths test might be really valuable in terms of looking at some other things. How do you bring those in? I also want to touch a little bit on democracy of data and, and Tom, I think, has some interesting ideas about this and have we've talked about it a lot before in the past, but giving access to different groups of people to democratise that data uh, is something that I'm really interested in personally outside of what, what I do and, and of course I think our software should reflect that, but giving access to people maybe who aren't the data manager and saying actually you can access this dashboard and view the analytics drill into those analytics, understand what's going on without fear and saying, actually, that's not going to ruin my job. It's not going to ruin the reputation of our trust. How do we manage to do that? Because I think there is a space uh, and I could probably have a healthy debate with, with lots of trusts out there uh, and, and they're all different. Uh, one of the trusts that I'm working with uh, very recently want all of their head teachers to be able to see all the data across their trust so that they can compare themselves, so that they can see what's happening in other parts of the country or other parts of their county or wherever their trust is. Another large trust that I'm working with, they don't work in that way. Their culture is such that they don't want to give those people access to data that they haven't got already from their own MIS system. So they can see stats and headlines from their own trust or their own school rather, but not other places. And I think it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think education is often viewed as a sort of zero-sum game where you've got to be ahead of, of, of your competitor schools. And that's the problem with things like um, you know, progress measures and everything being relative to zero. You know, there's going to be winners and losers. But within your trust, I personally feel there should be you know, open access to all the data because ultimately you should want, whether you're working at one school in the trust or another school in the trust, you should want everyone within that trust to be, to be achieving as, as well as they possibly can. I love the idea of a system that has, yes, permission levels, so it's you know safeguarding appropriate or appropriate to the level of the person who's um, who's accessing, so that people can look in their own time. You know, Nick's absolutely right about drilling drilling down into data, but I think also the worst thing that you can have is you come along to a meeting and you get given some data on a piece of paper. The first time you can review it, it's whipped away after five five minutes, and you're writing on a post-it note. You know, <laughs> supposed to supposed to be giving your your detailed um, analysis of this data, and you simply haven't had the time to to look or spot any patterns. So all you do is you go away with whoever's presenting the data, their views. Um, I really think you need a system that ultimately has that live or near live data that all of your leaders, your trustees, your governors can look at prior to a meeting and know what they're going to get. They also should be able to, within a meeting, go, well, I want to interrogate that bit. 
we should be able to drill down. You should be able to get down to individual student level data within a meeting or, or, or small cohort data within a meeting so that you can find out the answers to questions that are posed there and then. So many schools and so many trusts must have the, the problem with, with, with having meetings, especially governors' meetings, trustee meetings, where, where questions are asked and you have to go away and find out the answers to that information. You want a system that ultimately you can drill down and find those answers straight away. And also, I think as, as Nick said, if you're answering the questions that, that you're posing yourself, you want it to be able to you know, have whatever dashboards in whatever format you want. So as someone sat there analyzing the data, you want to be able to create your own dashboard to monitor whatever you want, whatever you think is important, so you can bring something to the table in those meetings. Yeah, I think so. And, and I can really relate to that example, Tom. I was the uh, staff governor in one of the last schools that I worked in. It was a really big junior school uh, in a really tricky area, uh, and it ended up being my responsibility because I was the staff governor uh, to uh, do a whole day of teaching and then stay late in the evening. But I had to prepare all this data for, for governors. And, and I remember sitting with my head teacher for hours photocopying bits of paper uh, and then refusing to let those governors take those bits of paper away <laughs> in case there was something wrong with that data or we weren't supposed to share it. Uh, and it takes up hours of your life. And in the end, they might flick through it a little bit in the meeting, maybe understand it, maybe not understand it. But if they had that data in advance or the ability to look at it, even at certain time periods and say, actually, what does this mean? We could at least have the questions to talk about in a governor's meeting. Um, so that we didn't have to do all of that photocopying or all of that work in advance to answer maybe even one or two questions, whereas we could answer many more questions with, with really high quality data. And I think what, what you've just said there about making sure the data is correct, within an open environment, um, a sharing environment um, of multi-academy trust, <sighs> you should be able to ask those questions and if the data's wrong it should be okay you should be doing your best but it should be okay and i think ultimately as well if you take away those points you know just before a meeting where the data's got to be correct so that well for the preceding two months it doesn't matter if the data's incorrect <laughs> then actually what you do is you probably create a situation where the data is more accurate throughout the whole year so you can dip into it and if people find value in dipping into that data and looking at snapshot views they're more likely to then keep that data accurate and up to date. So I think having a culture where your data is correct throughout the year is probably the way you want to go. So you've got to inculcate that somehow anyway. It's down to culture. There's that word again. It always ends up being down to culture. Because I suspect, uh, that it's interesting, the, one of the trusts that I'm working with, uh, they're a relatively newly formed trust, but their culture is such at the moment they don't want to share that information but later on they, I think I think they will and it comes down I think a lot to culture the way we do stuff around here and that openness and the uh, the aspects of, of sharing stuff okay so I think Nick we should probably round this off um, with a few key questions uh, to ask yourselves so I reckon we go for three shall we so I think my first one would be probably how do you bring um, high quality data into one place? So what systems are you going to use? Um, what, you know, where's that going to pull that data from and ensuring that you've got those links? I think that's probably one of my key takeaways. Nick, over to you. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair enough. Uh, my question for, I think, for, for trusts to answer for themselves would be, after you've got 
all the Ofsted data that you need in one place. And if we think about uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you can't once you until you've got your basic needs met, you can't go above that. So you think about the fact that you've got your Ofsted data in place. What would you do after that? What data would you bring? What questions would you ask of your data if you knew that those basic needs, that basic stuff that you needed to report to whoever, Ofsted, official organisations, what would you do with it after that? Hmm, that's an interesting one. Um, I think for me, the third one, I'm going to go with culture. Um, we've spoken about this a lot. Um, but culture of, of, of data democracy, um, but also ownership. So essentially saying, look, anyone can look at this data and anyone can look at this data across the trust. But if you do that, equally so, you've, you've got the responsibility to own that data as well. Spot the trends, uh, work out you know, where the intervention needs to go and all be part of that same journey. There you go. There's a sentimental point to finish on. Um, so thank you for listening. Um, and if you found this valuable, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel. Uh, this is just one of a series of education podcasts we've got coming up. And you can find us on all social media channels.